Welcome, everybody, to God Squad Church. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Boz, and I'm the Midlothian and Online Campus Pastor here at God Squad Church. Super excited to be able to bring you guys a message this week. Past couple of weeks, we've been talking about check your capacity. For three weeks, Pastor Susie just ended an amazing series. I know that I felt convicted by it, and especially last week when he was talking about sacrifice. And so we were talking about check your capacity. What is the capacity of our church and the fact that people are coming in and then we're seeing old people leave our church on a constant basis. And it's super hard for me seeing that and seeing people slip through the cracks and we don't want to see that anymore. And that was the whole point of that message in that whole entire series. But I've come to bring you a little bit of a different perspective today. And so I've entitled my my sermon, Seasons of Giving. Now, I know what you guys are thinking about. You're thinking, Pastor Boss, it's the middle of October. Halloween hasn't even happened. You know what? I don't even like Halloween. But Halloween hasn't even happened yet. I don't like Halloween. I have my reasons. But anyways, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And what happens when Thanksgiving is over? Everybody eats their turkey. And all of a sudden, we start doing some crazy things. We start putting evergreen trees in our house. We start putting lights on them. And we throw a bunch of gifts under them. When you put it that way, it's a little bit crazy. But I love Christmas. But today, we're not talking about Christmas. It's not the season of giving. I'm talking about seasons of giving because I'm going to be talking about the different attitude that we should have when we're giving to God. And so I want to bring your attention first to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The verse will be on the screen as I read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says this, each one. Now, let me stop there. I know it's only two words, but this is huge. Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. Corinth was a messed up church. They got two long letters, okay? There's some things going on in the church of Corinth. Paul says each one. He doesn't say to the leaders. He doesn't say to the deacons, to the elders, to the people that are involved in the church. To each one of everybody in the church of Corinth. If this is your home church, the Corinthians, if this is your home church, he's saying each one of you, and then he goes on, must give as he has decided in his own heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what does Paul first say? He says, each one must give as he has decided in his own heart. Pastor Susie touched on this a little bit last week, but what does that actually mean to decide in your own heart what it is that we're supposed to be giving to God? Because the Holy Spirit, when you receive Jesus Christ, he comes into your heart. So who's the one that's guiding you? The Holy Spirit is. Jesus Christ is guiding you. So when we're thinking about giving of our offerings, we're thinking about giving of our gifts, our abilities, our talents, whatever talent you have, God is asking us to give it to him. But he's saying, decide in your own heart. So what does that mean? It means to get on your hands and knees. Maybe you have a spouse And get on your hands and knees and say, God, what is it that you want me to give? What is the number that you want me to give? What is the time that you want me to give? What is the ministry that you want me to work in? How is it that you want me to give to you today? In my own heart, what is it, God? And I promise you, if you're doing what God is asking you to do, man, he's going to be excited. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But my first point that I want to bring to you guys, I know that was a little bit of a, a, a little bit of aside from what I really wanted to talk about, but the first point I wanted to give to you guys today is to give without reluctance. All right? Give without reluctance, because Paul says here, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Could you imagine 
You wake up on Christmas morning, you're a parent, you got Jimmy, okay? Jimmy, Jimmy's been asking for all year for a PlayStation 5, and you were able to go out and get that PlayStation 5 for Jimmy. Maybe he wants an Xbox Series X, He's, you know, one of those things. But anyways, maybe he, he's been asking for this all year long, and you're like, all right, I'm going to give it to him. But then you're about to give Jimmy the present. You, ah, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to give this to you, Jimmy. I got a lot of bills that I got to pay. And I'm not saying bills are bad to pay, okay? We need to be good stewards of our money. But I don't know if I want to give you the PlayStation 5. You know what? I think I'm, I might take it back. No, you know what? We'll just give it to you. How's Jimmy going to feel? He's going to feel like dirt, okay? He still got his PlayStation 5. He's still happy that he got his present. But the thing is, is his mom or dad didn't give it with love, didn't give it with compassion. And Jimmy's going to notice that because it was given with reluctance. What's the other thing Paul says not to do? Give under compulsion. Not to give as if you were being forced to give. The reason why I say these two things is because a lot of times I see on Christmas Day, anniversaries, whenever you're giving gifts to somebody, you give it with happiness. You're giving to them hoping that they're going to like the present. But how come in church today, and I've experienced this myself, how come in church we're giving with reluctance? We're trying to hold on to our money. We're trying to hold on to our gifts. And I know you might be thinking right now, Pastor Boz, I don't have any gifts. Listen, God created you with purpose. He loves you, and he created you to do something for him. You have a purpose. And so you're thinking, I don't know if I have that much time. Why are we giving with so much reluctance? We're trying to hold back. We're like, you know what? I could give this offering, but I could pay off my cell phone bill too right now. I might have a little bit extra in the bank if I don't give right now. Or feeling forced to give. God doesn't want you to feel forced to give. He doesn't want you to be like, well, I'm going to give this so I don't go to hell. All right, I'm going to give this because it's a good thing to do for this week and I want God to bless me. He doesn't want you to be forced to give. He wants you to give with a different attitude. He wants you to give with a grateful attitude. He wants you not to give those ways because that's giving with the wrong heart. So I want to bring you guys to the next verse. We'll, we'll stick in 2 Corinthians, actually. Let's stick in 2 Corinthians for a second, because you know what? It's a good segue regardless. At the end of verse 7, it says, For God loves a cheerful giver. My second point is to give with joy. To give with joy. I know I said this isn't about Christmas, and it's not, but I love Christmas time, okay? My, my wife is... Oh, all right, I love my wife, all right? Her family does Christmas a little bit different than mine. I did not know this during our first years together before we were married. So our first year together before we got married, I gave her like four or five gifts, and she wasn't upset about it, but she looked at me confused, and she actually asked me this question, why are you giving me gifts? I said, because it's Christmas, Chris, you give gifts to people. I, want, I love you. I want you to open them up. I want to see the look on your face when you open them up. And she didn't understand that. It took her a few years. My family is big on Christmas. We love to give each other presents. We love to do the big family meals. We love to do those things. And her family does it to an extent, but it was never as big. She does her stuff on Christmas Eve. We do our thing on Christmas morning. It was just how it always was. And so she didn't understand why I was giving it to her. But the thing that I love about giving 
is the look on the person's face. I don't care what they're going to do with the gift. They've been asking for it for a year. Or maybe it was something that she, she had been asking for and hinting at all year long. And she looked at me and said, why are you giving me gifts? I didn't even want anything. I'm like, you've been asking for this for seven months. Don't tell me you didn't want anything. But I wanted to see when she opened it up, the look on her face. I was giving with joy expecting to see a look on her face. So I have a video for you guys that I'm going to show to you in just a second, but I want to describe to you how to watch this video. I want you to think of the kids as God in the video. I want you to think of the present as your offering or your talent that you're giving to God and the parents as the children. Let's watch this video. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Who remembers Blockbuster? If you're raising your hand, you were probably born before 2005, maybe even 2000. Blockbuster was before you even had, do you guys remember how, when you had to mail out videos like via Netflix and you would get them mailed back to you? Though You're all sitting there, you're like, what? Netflix? It's just streaming. No, 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 no. That's not how it started. Blockbuster is where it all started at. But anyways, the kid was so excited. The kid was so excited that he received the gift. And this is how I think God is when we give what he has been asking for in our hearts. This is how excited God gets. God's like, finally, I asked you for this and you finally decided that you're going to give me what I've been asking for this entire time. You asked for, I've been asking for this much time. I've been asking for you to go in this ministry for this gift, for this offering, and you decide to give it to me. I'm excited. Now watch what I can do. I believe that God can do immensely with your gifts. I believe he can do immense things with your offering. No matter how little or large it is, God can do big things. And that's the attitude that we should have, to have an attitude of joy that God is going to continue to move. And so I want to give you guys a couple of examples from the Bible about joyful giving. The first one would actually come from the story that Pastor Susie told us last week about the small boy who came up to Jesus with his two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, we learned that there were about 15,000 people. It says 5,000 men, but those were the men that were counted at the age of over 20. Probably had one wife and one child as well at least. So you have at least 15,000 people, and it's a little boy. Wasn't even counted in the crowd because he wasn't 20 yet. Who knows if his dad or his mom was there, but his mom probably just, here's your lunch, go off and have a nice day. And he goes to Jesus. 15,000 people. I don't know what this is going to do, but I'm going to put it in the hands of Jesus. The boy had to have expected something. I don't know, maybe he was giving his lunch to Jesus for Jesus to eat. You know, you're going to be preaching a long time today. There's a lot of people here. You need to keep your voice healthy. Here's some bread and here's some fish. Have it. It's yours. But I think that he was, what what was Jesus' reaction? To be like, like, to have a little kid come up to you. Jesus loves little children. We've seen this throughout the Bible. He loves children, right? And so this little kid comes up to him and he gives him a basket with five loaves of bread and two fish. I can only imagine the smile on Jesus' face saying, I knew this was going to happen. 
but I'm going to do some great things that you don't even know about. And I can only imagine the smile, maybe the laughter. We've never seen Jesus laugh in the Bible. But I think that it's going to be amazing the day we hear his laugh. I'm excited for that day, to be honest. He takes the basket with a big smile on his face, and he says, thank you. And I think that boy probably went away with a fulfilled heart. He didn't have a lunch anymore. He didn't have anything to eat, but let me tell you, he sacrificed everything, and he probably went away so fulfilled because he knew that he was giving something to Jesus, and he didn't even know what Jesus was going to do with that, giving with a heart of joy. Another place I want to bring you with joyful giving, it comes from Exodus. We're going way back in the Bible. Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 through 7. Forgive me on the first two names of this. It will be behind me as well if you don't have a Bible with you. Bezalel, such a weird name, and Oholiab. Listen, I'm glad I live in 2020, okay? My name is Ray. (laughs) Easy. Bezalel and Oholiab, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought, brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. Now get this. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. Free will offerings every morning. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses does something that no charity, no church will probably ever do ever again. Verse 6, so Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Could you imagine the Red Cross? Get the spokesman up there. Everybody, we have enough food. We have enough resources. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're good for the rest of the, for, for next few years. Just stop bringing stuff. Caleb, they do like a giving drive every like four months or something like that. I don't know. It seems like it's more often than that. Don't worry about this year. We got it. We're good. We're not doing the drive this week. Don't worry. I know you are worried about it. I know some of you were going to change your radio stations because you just don't like hearing us talk about money all the time. It happens. I understand. I do it sometimes too. But the thing is, is could you imagine a charity or a church doing that? I've never seen a church just say, don't stop giving your tithes. We don't need it anymore. We've completed the work of God. We're good. This is huge. The people were bringing so much that they did more than what God was even asking. This is massive. And I love that because they brought more than what God was even asking for. Free will. They weren't bringing it reluctantly. They weren't bringing it because they were forced to. They were forced to stop bringing because they were bringing so much. Not giving reluctantly, not giving under compulsion, but giving with joy. 
having a heart of joy when you're giving it. Because let me tell you, God's going to do something with it. God's going to do something amazing. And the look on his face when you're giving with what he has called you to give, oh man, it's going to be something that you never thought was possible. It's going to be something you never thought was possible. So we're going to go into our last point. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And this, this is something that I really believe is big. It says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever think. Our attitude needs to be a little bit reversed when we're giving to God. I do believe that true giving is when you give a gift to somebody, but you don't expect something in return. You don't expect them to give you money. You don't expect them to give you a gift either or something that's you know, in accordance to what you gave. But I do believe that when we give to God, we need to expect him to be doing something. Pastor Susie says this a lot. He says, if you're not expecting, if you're expecting God not to do something, I think I said that wrong. If you, if you don't expect God to do something, you're expecting him to do nothing. If you're expecting God not to do anything, you're expecting, you're expecting him not to do anything. That's huge. We need to be expecting that God is going to do something with the gifts that we're bringing to him. Expecting that God is going to take that gift and use it for his glory, for his kingdom, to glorify him. So when we give to God, give with joy, but give in expectancy that God is going to take that gift and he's going to use it for his glory. But I think some of you right now, you might be thinking, you know what, Pastor Boz? I can't give anything. I don't even believe in God. Maybe you've been struggling with believing in God for a long time. Maybe you've been struggling to believe in who Jesus is. But the Bible says that he can do abundantly, more abundantly than all you ask or think. Imagine if you gave your heart to him. He can do more abundantly than you could all ask or even think. See, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians that when we give our lives to God, we become a different creation. We become something completely different than who we are today. So some of you might be thinking, you know what? I have too much in my life right now. I, there's no possible way I could actually accept Jesus because he would never accept me. I got to tell you, there's a lot of times I had those conversations with people. Pastor Boz, I've done too much. I got too much baggage in my life. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us to come just as we are. Jesus Christ loves you. He wants you to come to him, and there's nothing that you can do that will keep him away from you. There's nothing that you can do that can, can, can keep his love away from you. He wants you to give your heart to him so that he can do in your life far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. He will change your life. He will give you joy when you have depression. 
He will, he will give you life when all you feel is death around you at all times. He loves you so much, and he can make those changes in your life. And so I want to ask you today, for those of you that might be thinking right now, you know what, I've been slipping from God a little bit. I've been, I've been going away from him for a long time. It's been years. I haven't been giving of my talents. I haven't been giving of my offerings. I haven't been doing anything like that. But maybe it's about time for me to be giving with joy. Maybe it's about time for me to give, expecting that God's going to do something inside of my life. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't even know Jesus Christ. But this sounds, this sounds like a good thing. It sounds like something that I could, I could definitely receive. I want that joy. I want that hope. But I haven't been feeling it for a long time. And I don't think I've ever felt that kind of joy ever in my entire life. Some of you might be saying that right now. And so I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Or like I said before, maybe you've been falling away. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Listen, Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for us. He loves you so, so much more than you could ever imagine. He lived the perfect and pure life so that he could go to the cross and die for you. When he went to the cross, he was thinking of everybody in the chat right now. He was thinking of my face. He was thinking of all of your faces out there. He was thinking of unworthy seraph. He was thinking of Pastor Susie, Pastor Tammy, Maddie Ice. He was thinking of each and every one of them when he was going to the cross. And at any moment, he could have snapped his fingers and came right off the cross. But he decided to stay up there because he knew that there was a job that needed to be done. He knew that he had to spill his blood for you so that your heart could be cleansed, so you could come to know God and be with him for all of eternity. And so when Jesus died on the cross three days later, and we praise God that he was able to resurrect from the grave. He broke through the grave. He broke through sin. He broke through death. He broke through all of that so that you could have eternal life. So that you could go to the Father and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I know that these things were wrong. And I, now I know that they're wrong, Lord God, and I know that. And I want to turn away from those things. I want to walk in a completely different direction. I want to walk in the direction that your son is calling me to go in. You can go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he will, and when you step in front of the Father, if you ask for forgiveness and you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you will hear Come in, my good and faithful servant, because he won't see the sin that's standing in your heart. He won't see the shame. He won't see the guilt, and you won't feel any of that either. But what he will see is the blood of his son, Jesus, because you served him and committed your life to him. And if you accept Jesus Christ, you will live with him for all of eternity in paradise where there is no more pain. There is no more tears. There is no more depression. This verse in Ephesians, he can do far more abundantly to the power at, or to the, abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power work at work within us. He can do so much in your life, and I truly believe that. So if you want to accept Jesus Christ in your life for the first time or you want to rededicate your life, I would ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Dear God, 
I come before you right now. I am a sinner. God, right now, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the grave. And I accept your grace, your mercy, and your salvation. God, I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those people that have just accepted Jesus Christ? And hey, if you're in the chat right now, I want you to put some amens in the chat. Amen, everybody.